I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Move the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer. My guest this week describes himself as the enthusiastic considerator of the human condition. He is or was a mediator in a local youth offending team. He's done 24 years in the RAF. He qualified as a resistance to interrogation instructor during that time, I believe. And he's now a senior consultant at a company called TransTube Performance. You might have heard of that company name before because I interviewed Martin Johnson a few weeks ago, or probably a couple of months ago now, and they work in the same organization. But you might be forgiven for not recognizing him as the man shouting at contestants in uh, Channel 4's hit series, SAS Who Dares Wins. And I say you might not recognize him. You'll know the voice, perhaps, but you won't <laughs> recognize him because, of course, you're always in a balaclava for most of that. Or I noticed your face was partially concealed. So I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation because that's a whole blend of experience there. But you can contact my guest. His name is Spencer Locker on LinkedIn. You can find him there. Just put his name into LinkedIn. That's Locker at Spencer Locker on Twitter. And the business URL is, is www.trans2performance.com. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Leanne. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. So what I wanted to talk to you about, and I touched on this in my episode with Martin, was why it is that people are so drawn to these tough, rugged, gritty, difficult events and why there's an interest in going on, either going on SAS, Who Does Does Wins and similar shows, but also the huge amount of people, me included, that watch that show. Now, what is it that we're drawn to getting really back to basics? I've got some stats around this as well. Since 2010, the people partaking in marathons has actually dropped, but 2 million people have taken part in the Tough Mudder. 5 million people have taken part in the Spartan obstacle course race. And these, these events are really growing. There's more and more of them turning up. I mean, these are events, if you don't know them, they're obstacle courses, yeah. which are on 10-mile courses or 5-mile courses. And you're running through electricity, you're scaling 12-foot walls, you're scrambling underneath and netting and in tight spaces. It's pretty grueling stuff. So I really wanted to explore with you, what is it that you think people are drawn to when they do these things? Why are we moving away from more conventional types of exercise to this really tough stuff? And I thought you'd be a good man to get on the show to talk about that. Right, okay, yeah. I think it's a really valid point that you make. Some, I've got to admit, some of the stats that you just gave us, quite eye-opening, really. I mean, you'd have to live in a cave not to appreciate the popularity of these events that have been going on. But that first one you said you mentioned about marathons dropping, mm. I think that's the tail of the tape, really. Because with the marathon thing, yeah, it leads me on to what I was going to speak about. Anyway, I was going to ask you your opinion. When you're training for a marathon, what do you do? Literally, what do you do? Yeah, well, that's it. But because what you're doing is, I mean, it's leading on that you consider you're conditioning your body to achieve something. Yeah. So you're practicing something over and over and over again, so that when it comes to it, you can achieve it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. But with a tough mudder, you can't do that. So it doesn't matter about these people who, who go out running in the morning, running on the night, they do it five days a week, and they condition their body to achieve a certain state to achieve a marathon win or a marathon finish or a personal best time or something like that. But with tough mudders, you can't go out and practice sliding down a muddy slide or crawling under barbed wire fences and, and things like that. You've been taken out of your comfort zone. Mm. Because, again, when you start thinking about conditioning to achieve something, we can always see that you can talk to anybody you know who either practices some sort of fitness discipline or goes to the gym. Why do you do this? Why do you do what you do? Well, it's to condition their body. And that, that might be a, a race. It might be a competition. It might just be that you want to live better for longer. Mm. Yeah? There's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an aim behind it. Because if there wasn't a point to it, people wouldn't do it. But that's physical. What we're looking at is the mental capacity, the mental conditioning, and emotional conditioning. And this is the difficult thing. Because... These people, if we take the program, for instance, that we do, SAS Who Dares Wins, we've got people on there who are physically fit. They have to be physically fit to get an interview in the first place. Mm -hmm. And when you go to the gym, you condition your body to be able to do a certain thing. And to a certain degree, you condition your mind. Yeah? Yeah. Sort of winning mentality, that positive mindset, that I think resilience is a is a good word to describe it. But the thing is, when you finish in the gym, when you do your training, then you rest. Then you go to your nice warm home, you sit on your comfortable settee, you have your, your food or your power shake or whatever you do, and then tomorrow you'll do the training again. But when you're actually on set, when you're actually in this competition, you can't do that. You're getting Mm. minimal calories, you're getting minimal rest, you're getting very little, if any, encouragement one way or another, whether it's positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. And when you don't get that, then you, when you're not getting a narrative, when you're not receiving a narrative, then the human brain creates its own narrative. Am I doing well? Mm. I don't know. Am I doing well? Then you get that period of self-doubt. Well, the thing is, the period of self-doubt will come, but it's all due to fatigue. It's all due to fatigue. Fatigue blows everything up out of all proportion. And the thing is, you've got to condition your mind, your brain, you've got to condition your emotions to be able to recognize when you're getting that self-doubt. So you're talking about tough muddy, you're talking about all these events that are taking you out of your comfort zone and, and you practice and you push yourself and that's all well and good. But it's getting that mental and emotional capacity to be able to deal with self-doubt, with questioning yourself, with possibly dealing with the fatigue of being tired, being hungry, being thirsty. All this stuff all melts together. And then you start wondering, well, how come they can do it and how come they can't do it? Mm. Does that make sense? It does. And I want to come back to that, the difference between the people that can do it and the people that can't. Before that, though, it's interesting we well, some of us, but certainly an increasing number of us, are trying to find that kind of test and put ourselves through that because we actually work really bloody hard over you know, evolution to get yeah. away from that state where we don't know what's going to happen. We're getting no feedback. It's really, really difficult. We don't know when we're going to get fed. We don't know when we're going to get a good night's sleep. Hmm. And now some of us are looking to try and get back to that. Yeah. And it's also interesting because we're also in extremely stressful times, albeit not from the same kind of threat state 
as yeah. Martin calls it, it's, you know, we're not really, for most of us, we're not threatened in terms of our existence or food no. or drink or, avail- or sleep, but we are threatened by volume of email. The demands being made on our, our lives, you know, we're having to work evenings, et cetera, et cetera. What is it, do you think, what bit of the human condition is making us want to go back to that almost primitive way of being? Is, you know, you alluded to the fact that we're testing ourselves, but what are we testing? What are we trying to get to? Uh, there's a lot of things going on at the moment where people are talking of wrongly they're talking about millennials when they should be talking about a certain but it's this yeah. this snowflake yeah. thing yeah when we're honest with ourselves when we we sort of reflect on society since we've been alive when i joined the working world as a 16 year old basic trainee when i joined the royal air force I remember running into people and people who I looked up to, people who I thought were older, more wizened people, more tenured people, looked down the nose at me and go, oh, there goes the neighbourhood. You know, mm. what they turn out nowadays. Oh, mm. it's all changed. Well, it, that was back in the 1980s and it happened in the 90s. I must admit, I was a victim of, I was one of those people who said that. Look at the state of the people that they're sending through nowadays. Look mm. at the people that are, are potential engineers or soldiers or this and the other. So the previous generation always tends to look down but I, I think with the the current crop of well, if we start talking about people in between the ages of 25 and 45 they don't fit neatly into a bracket or into a name or anything like that but with the advent of technology digital the, our digital world everything's immediate everything is easy come easy go I think some people are tired of the easy come easy go mm. I think the on-demand situation that you're only a phone call away from somebody dropping a pizza around your house or things like that. Mm. I don't think it's a conscious effort to sort of get back to basics and be a caveman hunter-gatherer, all this, that and the other. I don't think it is that. I think it's a case of people recognising that they're not being challenged in any way, shape or form. Yeah. As you said, we are busy at work. We do get challenged at work, but for us to be able to deal with that challenge, we've also got to be resilient. We've got to be able to to deal with it. And you can't do that by reading a blog or watching a vlog or downloading an app. You've got Mm. to do it. something Mm. that you've got to do. You've got to experience it. You've got to fail. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize nowadays. Because as a species, we're hardwired to be resilient. We have to be because that's how we've progressed from hunter-gatherer living in caves to us now living in a digital world where everything's instant. We have to, as a species, be resilient. We've got to try things. We've got to fail at things. (laughs) But society doesn't allow us to fail. When you start looking at people who uh, try new things, when we're at school, a kid tries something new, tries something different. It fails. Everybody points and laughs. Ha ha. Mm. Oh, I don't want to do that again. So I won't try something new. It's like that when we leave school, we go into the world of work. We work with people. We try something new. We fail. People point and laugh. Ha ha. Mm. All right. Okay. I won't try anything new then. So I think we don't lose as resilience, but I think it goes on the back burner. I don't think we can recognize our own resilience. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why nobody tries anything new and there's a, there seems to be a great resurgence of blame culture at the moment. Mm. Nobody wants to find a solution. They just want to point out who made the mistake. 
Yeah. And I think people tire of that. And that's one of the reasons why they're pushing these things. They go on a tough mudder. It's not all about being first for most people. It's like a shared experience. It's trying something new. It's pushing yourself out of a comfort zone. It's getting dirty. It's getting tired. It's getting fatigued. But it's not just you. Yeah. It's everybody else as well. Yeah, and that's true. And for those who haven't taken part in these events, it is very much a team thing. So some of these, well, these 12 foot walls, you're never getting over that on your own. So somebody's got to give you a leg up and somebody else has got to be at the top hoiking yeah. you up. And you do that for the next person coming up. And these are pretty equally split between men and women, these events as well. Yeah. I want to come back to what you said about resilience. I think what worries a lot of us is how resilient are we? Because it's a muscle that needs to be worked, resilience, like any other attribute. You need to keep yeah. practicing it, keep challenging it, I think to maintain that level of resilience and be aware of your level of resilience. And I think that's one of the things that it does allow you to do. And we were chatting off air and I just before we came on the podcast and I was telling you how desperate I was to do the Bear Grylls Survival Academy with my oldest friend because we used to climb trees, cycle down verticals, cycle down stairs and all this kind of stuff. And we both wanted to be stuntmen actually. And if one of us fell off or hurt ourselves and started crying, the other one would just look at at them and go, stuntmen don't cry. So, and the other one would quickly wipe the tears and go, yeah, puff yeah. the chest out and on we go. So I thought it was really fitting that I did this with him. His name's Adam. And I thought, why am I so desperate to do this? And I think I do want to test myself. I do mm. want to get back to basics almost, you know, can I climb that? Can I go down that? I'd like mm. to learn some practicalities like knots and should I ever need to make a raft? Oh, no, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Some practicalities, but it is actually about kind of going back to ancestral times and just challenging myself in different ways and and seeing what I'm capable of. And that does come back to resilience. And it also comes back to just finding some some of the truths about yourselves, yourself as well. What, what am I capable of? I think that's one of the, I think it's one of the fundamentals of resilience is honesty, being honest with yourself, taking responsibility. Because I mean, I sometimes think, I, I know I mentioned blame culture, but there's so many people out there who make a mistake and then their automatic, their default setting seems to be, well, it wasn't my fault. It was the mm-hmm. wrong trainers or I was in the wrong place or the wrong person pointed me in the wrong place and, and the wrong person did this. And There's always somebody else to blame apart from yourself. So I think one of the basic core, uh, fundamentals of resilience is being honest with yourself and going, you know what? I messed up there. Mm. Because until you actually take accountability, you won't learn from your mistake because it's not your mistake to learn from. So that's what it's like when, when something goes wrong and everybody stands around going, oh, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Straight away, that's the first thing. It's a denial thing. Oh, it wasn't me. Well, as soon as you deny it, well, it's not your mistake, therefore you can't learn from it. So you've yeah. got to take ownership yeah. and you've got to take accountability and, re- and responsibility for the mistakes you make. Yeah. Once you start doing that, people see that in you. So when you're honest with yourself and you're honest with other people, you start building credibility and integrity. I mean, you think about the people who mean the most to you in your life. Do you respect them? Yes. Do you trust them? Yes. Do you trust them? Yeah. So the thing is, you surround, people want to surround themselves with people with integrity, mm. with people with credibility and people with honesty. But you can't project that. You can't con people. You've got to demonstrate integrity. Yeah. And you can only do that when you're honest with yourself. So, yeah, you're right. I think you're 100% right there. You've got to be honest with yourself. 
Yep. It's a really interesting way of looking at resilience. I mean, I'm not crazy about the word because I think it's become a little bit abused in corporate yeah, circles. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll keep using it because then everyone knows what we're talking about. But really interesting that you consider honesty and integrity to be part of resilience because I think a lot of people think it's, it's how tough you are, how much can you endure. But actually, resilience, I think, does come down to your honesty, your integrity, getting into your discomfort zone frequently to test that resilience. Yeah, yeah it's a bit of a yeah. cliche getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, but that's definitely a part of it as well. Challenging mm. yourself to do something new, trying to be pushing past fears, all of that kind of stuff. I went to see a talk a couple of years ago. It was a series of talks, actually, and there was a guy on stage, Sean something rather. I don't remember his surname. I wasn't crazy about him as a speaker, but he came to fame because he posted something about his divorce online and it went viral. And he said, the reason that it did is, in his words here, the world is fucking starving for truth. And he said, that's what, and I have found actually the things I post about that are very honest. There's no, not a trace of kind of, we don't sell through our content per se, but it's absolutely not a post that's, that's part of a content strategy. It's just me coming on and sharing something, have a much, much higher impact. And I think the world is starving for truth and amongst all this fake news and nonsense, and we as individuals are probably starving for truthful experiences as well. Yes, and right Tough Mudder, Spartan, these kind of events are very truthful. You'll find out who you are and what you're capable of. Yeah. And you're very quickly, I, I had a boxing match a few years ago, and you very quickly find in boxing what your issues are. And not just <laughs> physical either. You've got a crap jab. I mean, that's going to affect your boxing. But yeah. your ego, what's your relationship like with your ego will soon become apparent. Yeah. And I imagine it does in, in SAS as well. But I mean, can you talk a little bit about the, the people on there? What kind of people are they specifically as well? What does it take to break them? You know, so that's what you do. You know, you're up in their face shouting, you're rubbish, you're nothing. Give me that information and all this kind of stuff. Anyone familiar with the show will know this. But Just to quickly clarify there before I go any further, we don't want to break them. Okay. It's not all about breaking them. It's taking them as close to breaking as possible, but not breaking them. Not just in the show, but in, in a real situation. The whole point of what we do from an interrogation team perspective is we're replicating what we do with the special forces selection anyway. That's why yeah. we're there. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's, very, it's very important that we don't break them, but we've right. got to take them as close as we can to breaking without it actually happening. So when you start talking about types of people, there's many, many different types of people. When you start talking about robust, being robust, I know we, we've already said resilience and, and okay, sometimes it's seen as a bit of a buzzword, but it is that clarity of purpose, I suppose. When we get them to do, when we're doing our resistance to interrogation bit, in the real world, they've been running around and being pushed to the extreme for six months. In the show, it's, I think this latest series, it was 14 days. Mm. So they are fatigued. They are tired. They're not getting any feedback. They're not getting any uh, minimal calories or as many calories as they need and no more. Very little rest. It's been basically pitched to the point where they're physically capable, but they are tired. But through that fatigue, they start questioning their own capabilities. And the difference between the people who say, that's enough, I'll put me on. I mean, there's a lot, don't get me wrong. I won't broad brush anybody because everybody's got the reasons for being there and that everybody's got the reasons for handing their armbands in. Mm-hmm. Some people, it may be self-doubt some people it may be sickness or injury some people it might just be a case of you know what I've done what I can do yeah 
but the brain will always give up long before the body will. And this is the thing, it's when they have that self-doubt. If you watch any of the series that we've gone on so far, one, two, three, and four, you'll notice that Minnow Films, who actually produced the programme, are really, really clever in showing a little behind-the-scenes footage, a little bit of a voiceover, but looking at somebody's face, and you can see that self-doubt crawling in. Mm. You can see that, mm. that questioning themselves, am I capable? Have I reached my limit? Did I do the right thing there? Did I not do the right thing there? Particularly when they come out of interview. So when they've got the bags on the red during the series, yeah. they've yeah. got in the interview room or the mirror room with um, Ant or Foxy or Ollie or Billy, and then they'll say something and then they'll get the hood put back on the heads and then taken out. And then they'll remove the hood and then they'll have that quiet moment to themselves when they go back to their accommodation mm. and the cameras will focus in on the face. You can see that self-doubt. You can see that mm. because they haven't said, nobody's told them you're rubbish. Nobody's told them you're good. Nobody's told them you're doing well. So it's all this, this little inner narrative. Did I do well? Oh, I don't think I did well. And that's when the gremlins come in. The people who succeed, the people who get to the end, the people who actually get to where they want to be are the ones that can recognise that narrative, the ones that can go, I can see what's going on here. And having that that robust robustness, the resilience to be able to turn around and say, no, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. And not dismiss those words, but actually take strength from them. Mm. And it's like when you start talking about Tough Mudder, you can be doing your tough mudder. It might be the first one you've done. It might be something that you've practiced for, but you know what? You might not be in the greatest physical condition. But when you're doing it, when you get to that moment of doubt, when you're thinking, oh, I've had enough of this, somebody will be behind you going, come on, kid. Come on, mm. kid, you do it. And I know that's external, but it's like a shared influence. It's like a, a shared experience, a group influence where, you know what? We all want the same thing. This is something that we've experienced with business. When we start talking about business, we're talking about upper management, middle management, lower management. We're talking about team leaders. We're talking about employees and all that. People always seem to create these siloed mentalities and look at somebody else thinking that they want something different to you. They've got their own agenda. And it's wrong. We all want the company to succeed. So mm. stop treating people with suspicion and start joining together and working together. Because mm. we all want the same thing. We all want the business to work. Because that means that we've worked and our teams have worked and our plans worked and it all knits together. And do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do. And I think to relate it back to these events we're talking about, the Spartans and the Tough Mudders, it is a very shared collective experience. It's also you're part of something, of a club of obstacle course racers, but on the course, you're part of something. And because you have to help each other along, but Mm. also it's quite a small group of people who want to do that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah I, I do. I do get that. And I think if you can harness that in business. Certainly. Magic. Well, it's like, do you remember that, that small speaking gig we went to the other, the other couple of months ago in November? Yes. When uh, Foxy, Foxy was stood up on the stage and he said something on the stage and it resonated with a lot of people. And it's something I haven't heard since I basically left the forces having adult conversations having grown up conversations, realising that, you know what, something's gone wrong here, but we can fix it. We don't have to be blaming people. We don't have to be 
pushing people out front to get for to get executed, if you like, to save ourselves. We can have adult conversations. We can acknowledge that something's gone wrong, but it's then sort of saying, right, okay, so what can I do right? How can I change this? And it's having that conversation sometimes within yourself and be honest with yourself. You know what? I didn't achieve that. I mm. gave up too early. You know what? I pretend, well, not pretended, but I talked myself into giving up. Yeah. Well, you know what? Next time I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And you're not blaming anybody else. You're building your own resilience up. You're building your own honesty up. And I think that when you have adult conversations with yourself, grown-up conversations with yourself, come on now, I'm, I'm 49 years old, you know, come on, we, we can do this. Stop pretending it's this or stop pretending it's that. When we can do it with ourselves, we can do it with others. And when we can do it with others, you know, it's, it's just a... It's a yeah, it's, you can lead. Yeah, I just don't want to go hippie, but it's a beautiful thing yeah. because people realise that we all want the same thing. And once we can get out of that blame culture mindset and we can get into this resilience and you know what, I'm going to push myself and I'm going to learn from this experience. And it doesn't matter if I fail because you remember uh, Ollie Ollerton, one of the yeah. uh, one of guys. Yep. I remember he said, I think it was in series two, you, you win or you learn. There's no mm. failure because that failure is a lesson. And mm. if you learn from that lesson, then next time you can win. And I love that. It really resonated with me. You win or you learn. Yeah, I like that as well. And it stresses the importance of getting into your discomfort zone yeah. to improve resilience, to test yourself and, and find out, you know, do you win, do you learn? Okay, cool. I want to ask you a question, you know, in terms of your own human condition. Hmm. So you instructed people on, on resistance to interrogation. You yeah. taught people how to resist interrogation. Yeah. Obviously, you've got the experience on all the SAS series as well. What does it do to you to be up in someone's face trying to get them to a little shy off breaking point. And what does it do to you? And how do you recover from that? It depends. When I was doing it as a job, when I was actually doing it, then there's a purpose behind it. I yeah. have to do this. I have to be credible. It has to be like this. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy getting people in people's faces. In fact, to be honest with you, don't tell anybody, but I really don't like confrontation. I feel really <laughs> uncomfortable. Now there's an irony. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it just? However, it's a job to do. So it's like, it's like when you start seeing the bomb dogs, when you see the dogs out in Afghanistan, when the normal dogs, you play ball with them, but as soon as they get the body armor on, it's work time. They've got mm -hmm. a job to do. Well, that's what I do with resistance to interrogation. So when I get my resistance to interrogation hat on, I go in there and I do what I've been taught to do, what I've practiced, the umpire will direct us on what we've got to do. Sometimes it's nasty. Sometimes it's not so nasty. Sometimes it's really aggressive. Sometimes it's a little bit passive aggressive. There's all sorts of different things mm. we do, but it's not personal. It's not something that I enjoy doing. I don't enjoy making people uncomfortable, but I know that there's the purpose behind what I'm doing. I have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Afterwards, I'll reflect on it. This last series we did, you know what? There were some things that maybe I, I wouldn't have been comfortable saying to people if I was in the street. But then, then again, you don't behave like that in the street, do you? No. Channel 4 tweeted a thing about me when I used some colourful language and got into somebody's face. And they tweeted it. And then somebody tweeted back going, oh, what a lovely little man, a face you could never tire of punching. So I tweeted back to this guy and said, oh, thanks, mate. I'm really not that bad. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, uh. well, you're probably yeah. not like that down the pub. And I'll say, well, buy me a pint and find out. You, know, <laughs> you can't go through life being that aggressive, but it's the job that needs to be done. But yeah, you're doing a job. Absolutely. I just wondered if in, in the doing of that job, hmm. maybe if, you know, a bit like acting, do you lose yourself for a minute in what you're doing and then have to sort of wind the nervous system back down? 
Uh, I'm not saying you overstep the mark or anything, but sure, you know, you sure. are having in going through the motions. Yes. Are you finding you're getting yourself quite hit up? And you know, how, how do you kind of recover and, and dial that back? We actually do these. There's quite defined parameters uh, how far we can go and, and how far we can go left of arc, right of arc. But yeah. even though they're quite defined, with how we work within there is quite loose. As long as we achieve what we've got to achieve and we've listened to what the umpires told us and said, this is what I want and this is how I want you to do it, then apart from that, it's quite loose. But yeah, I'm not a naturally angry person. Some people listening to this might be quite surprised that... I'm the person on the TV that does all the screaming and shouting and, and, and me and my, the rest of the team. But I'm not a naturally angry person. I'm not a confrontational person. So I've got to go somewhere to do that. Mm. I've got to get into a certain mindset to be able to go into a room and deliver that, per, be that person and be credible when I'm doing it. So yeah, you've got to focus. I mean, we've got little tricks and tips that we do just to like wind ourselves up a little bit bit and just and get into it and do it but i think even though we do it credibly when we come back out it's basically that hat is come up comes off mm. you do get that increased heart rate you do get that dry mouth you do get that but but we've been doing it for so long we are we, we're in control quite a lot if you know what i mean yeah 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 all right brilliant we've a couple of minutes left what do you do in terms of keeping yourself fit resilient strong healthy do you do spartans and tough mudders I don't. I don't. I'm afraid it's uh, it's not my bag. I've got mm. two young kids and a dog and a cat and a wife, obviously. But <laughs> basically, we do low impact stuff. I mean, I I, I do a rowing machine a bit and and I do some uh, sort of CrossFit things, this that and the other. Yeah. But when it comes to actually, it's a big commitment. This is the thing. It's a big commitment, and that's why I've got a lot of respect for people who commit to these events and go out and do these things because everything else sort of drops by the rate of the wayside. They focus, they achieve, and it's brilliant, and I really admire them for it. But unfortunately, I haven't got the, because I am very much focused on the family and basically maintaining my children's mental health. When we start talking about mental health in the workplace, we start talking about men's mental health, women's mental health, social mental health. I'm very focused on making sure my kids get as much attention as they possibly can. And I don't mean that from a spoiling point of view. I mean, it's a case of I work every day from Monday to Friday. So Saturday, Sunday, when I see my kids, when I'm with my kids, I want a family situation. So that's what my commitment is. Committed to my kids' mental health and make sure that they grow up as rounded, well-developed individuals. Brilliant. Who, who contribute to society. Yeah, brilliant. Well, fantastic work there. I applaud you for that. Spencer, thank you very much. So to reiterate, at Spencer Locker on Twitter, your business URL is trans2performance.com. Spencer Locker on LinkedIn as well. Thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you, Liam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, pleasure. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotsperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.